Welcome back to The Good Stuff, Cliff Central's very own happy hour with myself, Brent Lindekew, the good news guy. It's my favorite day of the week. I get to come into studio and hang out with you guys and bring you all of the good news stories that are trending from around the world, as, re- as well as really inspirational interviews. Um, we've got a, an incredible South African who's going to be in studio with us a little bit. Kim Mallett was told by doctors that one of her premature twins will, will not make it past eight months, but has chosen not to give up. And almost two years later, her little miracle is proving doctors wrong and uh, making leaps and strides. We're going to be talking to her. We'll be chatting to Delani and Zakira about what they did on Mandela Day. And Hello Kitty, a little bit of a random one, is popping by. They've just created a new campaign called One Kind Thing, which fits into everything that I'm about, um, but aimed at the schools. So I'm excited to see the change there. We'll also bring you the Change One Thing idea. It's something I do every week. uh, And the top five good news stories. But first... This week Thursday, I'm getting up on stage with a couple of people, um, thousands of people are going to be there, and I'm getting up on stage to talk with uh, some change makers and thought leaders, and actually one of my friends, Gareth Cliff will be there, as well as a guy that I've dragged into studio, he was on Gareth's show this morning, but I decided that since this is happening on Thursday, um, we would just keep him here, he'd, he'd literally work for Cliff Central for the day, and um, we're going to have him on every show, so you can chat about suits and sneakers, Mark, welcome to the show, my boy. <laughs> Thank you, boy, thanks for having me. It's lucky to have you, I mean, you, you are kind of almost a regular, you've been on Rookies and Rockstars, I think, with Jade. That's right. A loser. Like you were, you, you're my mate, and you come onto other people's shows first. She got me that invite first. Huh? I know, and her show is pretty incredible, so I'm not going to knock her. Um, and then you were on Gareth's show, and we all know his show is great, which is fantastic. Yeah, he's not too bad. He he's can not play for now. <laughs> um, I need to give, because maybe our listeners don't know who you are. So I know Mark. I've known him for a really, really long time. I actually met Mark many, many, many years ago um, when he put together a little party called Household Funk in in town yes going so way back you're right Coughs. seven eight years ago are you joking i yeah. was in high school it was 12 years ago 13 years okay, ago that, we're giving away our we're age talking about a few parties there. <laughs> <laughs> but um you've come you've come a long way um and just to give our listeners a quick snapshot of who you are and where you're from okay quickly so i actually studied marketing but i'm an entrepreneur at heart i guess i'm idealistic in my mentality uh, as I've gotten older, I see all these different opportunities which I've tried to take, some good, some bad. Uh, these days, what I do is I speak for a living. I got into that almost by accident, as I explain. And I'm going to stop Mark there because I've actually been to one of his talks. And um, it it is, for me, it was the most phenomenal thing because, again, I, I know you on a personal level. Yes. I never knew you could get up on stage and, and handle a crowd, which you can. Um, and also, your the talk that I went to was very deceiving because it was called a book review. And I was like, <laughs> really? Am I going to a book club? And I walked out more motivated, more inspired than I've been in a long time. It's funny you say that. If I could give you the quick two seconds, I got into this whole thing by accident. Here I am a marketer. Uh, originally about five years ago, all I wanted to do was teach people about social media. I couldn't find anybody to do it, so I started doing it. And quite quickly, you have to learn how to deal with people uh, for six hours at a time. Good luck. Okay, so luckily I got through that. I learned that people relate through storytelling, which breaks through all age barriers. Uh, and then I found this book called Inside Coca-Cola, as you well point out. And originally, again, I didn't want to start a book review. I just wanted to share a message with what I'd got out of the book. And it started by inviting 50 people in my network to come to a breakfast. And then some people started paying to hear. And I'm still flabbergasted to this day that a lot of people pay money to listen to a nobody tell a story about Coca-Cola, but they do. 
It's fascinating. So that's kind of the journey which has now evolved into something that you're just mentioning, uh, suits and sneakers. Suits and sneakers is something that you asked me to be a part of, and I am flipping excited to kick off the first one. Uh, what is it about? Okay, so actually you were the first person I asked to be involved with, and it's funny because your story and my story relate to each other. But if I had to take it back a step, Suits and Sneakers is kind of about informal education. It's based on the TED Talks model. I love TED Talks. I started watching them originally purely because I wanted to get better at speaking, and then I started loving the stories. They get to talk about anything in 20 minutes. The basis is storytelling, and their slogan is Ideas Worth Spreading. So they come at you up with an angle on whatever topic that you need or, or you're interested in, and they give you a different perspective. Now, I love that. That is something I'm after. I don't think we have enough of it here in South Africa. So Suits and Sneakers is just about guys getting up on stage. It's planned. You know, it's not like open mark night. And it's about bringing interesting people, but it's not about being at a conference. It's about having guys get on stage and have 20 minutes to tell you something that hopefully changes your perspective and adds value. I've only got 20 minutes. That's it. Well, we tell you you've got 20 minutes because I guess people have short capacities and attention spans. Yeah. Uh, you know, Brent, because I like you and you're a good-looking boy, <laughs> I'll give you an extra five. Yes. <laughs> I, I do talk for a living, so yeah. I guess it's, nah, it's going to be hard to rein me in. You're going to have to play that uh, the Grammy music, <laughs> like when you get to the end of your speech. Imagine we played that music for Gareth. <laughs> I, I just want to see what will happen then. That is hilarious. What can we expect on the evening? Because you, you're saying that there's going to be a couple of speakers. Um, that, I mean, people are buying tickets to come. Where is it? Where is it? Okay, so he has, the, he has the few details you need to know. First of all, I picked this venue called the Mosaic Teatro, uh, just off 14th Avenue. It's where Idols gets hosted. Beautiful venue. One, it can host about two and a half thousand people. Um, two, there's four speakers on the night. Yourself, Gareth, myself, and actually the original storyteller in my family, Mark Sham. And there's a reason that someone like my uncle gets to talk there. It's not some bias. It's that I also believe Suits and Sneakers needs to be a platform for people who wouldn't originally speak but have great things to tell. We're giving them a space. I said it on Gareth Cliff's show earlier. The conference model is broken. We get speakers who are good at what they do but rubbish storytellers, terrible speakers. And then people sit in the, the audience and they want to pull their eyes out because the model is just broken. I'd rather have you there. Telling a story, people relate to stories. They don't relate to death by PowerPoint presentation. Yeah, there's no, there's nothing worse. There is nothing worse. So that's it. It's this Thursday night, um, two fifty a ticket. But again, I'm going to do the same thing that I did on the earlier show. If people want tickets on the show specifically, I want to give you a gap. I just I want people there equally. We've got about a thousand people confirmed already. If you want to come to Suits and Sneakers on Thursday night, you just have to send me an email uh, with your details, and I'll add you. It's that simple. Uh, I'm going to make it a little bit different because this morning you said uh, do it on email. Yes. We're going to do it on Twitter. Oh, go. I okay. love it. So go, if go, you want to come to, and I'm, I'm putting this in now so that we've got it. I'm going to send it out there. Suits and sneakers. Um, you just got to tweet Mark Sham. I'm going to put him in that tweet. You guys are listening. If you're in Johannesburg and you're not doing anything on Thursday and you feel like it's something you want to be a part of, he's giving away free tickets. So we're going to tweet that, tweet him back, and hopefully then um, you can come and learn a little bit more about, I don't know, South Africa. Because TED Talks is great, but it's very international. Yes. And that's the problem. That, that's kind of why I'm not, I'm not plagiarizing TED as such. It's quite a broad medium. But what I think is we need something like that, but locally. I want to hear about issues here and now in my sphere. So every day I listen to three to five TED Talks, um, and I still, I'll, I'll never stop listening to them. But I, I want to have something, and just as a matter of interest, the reason why we called the suits and sneakers, 
is a very specific reason. See, I think that getting a formal education is more important than ever before. I think that is no question. However, I liken getting a formal education to putting on a suit. So it's important, but you wouldn't go to gym in a suit. You wouldn't chill at home in a suit. I think that if you want to be successful in 2015, you kind of have to have that uh, controlled edginess about you. You know, if you were to bottle what you've learned in the last 10 years, you didn't learn from a class, a classroom or a textbook. And I think that's what people need a platform to listen to. It's so Susan funny. Sneakers. It's so funny because uh, the start of my talk, I, I, I sort of take it back and I relate back to I'm just the guy. Yes. I went to a government school. I dropped out of university twice. <laughs> Everything that I've learned is on the streets and it's, it's sort yes. of experience. It's wearing my sneakers. And it's not to devalue formal education at all. You know, I believe in it more than ever. I'm just saying that as much as we need a suit, we need to know when to wear sneakers. And I think the line has become blurry between the two. You need to know when to wear which. And we have enough formal uh, tertiary education systems in the country. What we need is informal education. I'm trying to bottle that. That's why I asked you to come on board. I think you've got such a cool story. And, I, and I'm not just saying this because I'm on your show. It's the reason why I went to you first. I want people to understand tipping points, how someone goes from where you were, an average guy, right, doing to the space that you're at now. And I want other people to see that. So that's my vibe. Well, it's your story as well, because I mean, yes. you, you've, you've gone and you've seen opportunity where you've seen opportunity and you've made it yours. Yes. You've taken that opportunity and created it for yourself. Um, I look forward to suits and sneakers. I think it's going to be rad. If you uh, are not on Twitter and you don't want free tickets and you actually want to pay, how do they get hold of you? Okay. So thank you very much for asking. You can go to my website. It has all the details. www.suitsandsneakers. A-N-D. Suitsandsneakers.co.za. All the details are there. Amazing. We're going to carry on with the show. Uh, we're going to let Mark go so he can carry on interning at Cliff Central. Um, we are all about the good news. Uh, so here is your top five for this week. Here's the top five good news stories from around the world in today's global high five. In fifth place, the internet rallies behind a toll booth worker who got fired for performing an act of kindness. In fourth place, cyber rhinos could end poaching once and for all. In third place, a beached great white shark gets rescued by a Massachusetts beachgoer. In second place, a teacher wins 250,000 rand and buys shoes for all of his students at a community college. And top of the list today in the Global High Five, Japan is turning abandoned golf courses into solo farms. That's it from the Global High Five for this week. Here's Brent to tell you more. Jeez, listen to that intro for me. I feel like a famous person. Um, all right, so those are the top five good news stories for this week. Really flipping cool stuff happening around the world. Uh, the first being the internet rallying behind a toll booth worker who got fired for an act of kindness. This happened in America. The guy had people come through uh, a toll booth, and they didn't have enough money to pay for the tolls. So it was a little bit dodgy. He uh, he took the money out of his pockets and added it into their fee for the, the toll booth. Um, but the cameras caught 
him and he was told that he would be fired. Uh, he would, he wasn't part of the terms and conditions or whatever he had signed on for. And the internet found out about the story and has rallied behind him for him to keep his job. Um, which I think is, is something that the internet is great at rallying behind people to, to support them in their causes. At number four, we've got cyborg rhinos that could end poaching. And as crazy as that sounds, um, a little bit of Robocop going on there, the, the, we have to come up with new ideas. And everyday scientists are thinking of things to assist the rhinos because it's a huge problem in South Africa. And these bunch of, of guys, scientists, have come up with a way to put a camera in the rhino's horn and to put heart monitors and GPS tracking systems inside the rhinos. So as soon as the heart starts racing and alarm triggers, the cameras um, switch on so they can see what's happening around them. The GPS sends signals and um, the anti-poaching units can be there in a matter of minutes to save the rhinos and catch the poachers, which is a flippin' cool way um, to, to sort of end poaching. Uh, I like bright ideas and thinking out of the box differently. Number three is something that's been trending for the last couple Day. So we had that shark attack almost in Jeffrey's Bay, um, which I don't care much for. Uh, sharks live in the ocean. I think that's the, the first thing that we need to get to. If you're going to be swimming in the ocean, you might get eaten by a shark. But this is a cool story from Massachusetts in America. A great white shark had been beached on uh, on the beach in Massachusetts, Massachusetts, and a whole bunch of uh, people saw it and they felt felt bad for it. So they wrapped up the shark's mouth, made sure it couldn't bite them, and they put the shark back in the ocean. There's a video that I'm gonna uh, g- gonna tweet out on Facebook so you guys can see that as well. At number two, very cool story. Teacher was part of a game show in America. She won twenty thousand dollars, which is very close to almost two hundred and fifty thousand rand, and she decided that instead of using it for herself or some charity, she would rather buy all of her students at her community college uh, new shoes because the community college is owned by the government and um, underprivileged kids. So she decided to give back to the people that she loves. The number one story trending in social media this week is Japan, who is turning all of their abandoned golf courses into solar farms. It's exactly what South Africa should be doing. We should be looking at different ideas for our electricity. I'm sure everybody went through the load shedding last night. Um, one of our solar farms has actually just come online as well in uh, there by the hole in Kimberley, which is quite exciting. Uh, this is the good stuff. We'll be right back. That was the new remix of Show Me Love by Sam Felt. That's one of my classic songs when I was growing up. I love that it keeps coming back around. It just, they keep remixing it every three, four, five years and, um, and we get to hear it again. It's time. We've got our weekly greats in the studio. It's our inspiration for the week. Um, they are a South African couple who I received the email from one of the other shows from Gareth Armstrong and he said, can they be on your show? Can we get in touch? Is there something that we can do for them? And immediately when I read the email, I knew there was a beautiful story behind it. It's a story of hope. It's a story of strength and it's a story of, of a strong-willed little girl and her parents who I'm, I'm sure have gone through a lot and we'll hear their story now. Kim and Dale Mallett are in studio with us. Um, Kim felt pregnant in 
the 20, fell pregnant, but uh, her twins were born premature at just 27 weeks on the 29th of October, 2013. Two beautiful little girls who weighed less than 930 grams, which is, is just unreal to think about. They measured just 25 centimeters in length. That's smaller than a ruler. And they were considered micro preemies because they weighed less than one kilograms. Um, there were a lot of complications. There were a lot of things that the girls went through, especially Mackenzie. The doctors had terrible prognosis uh, for her. They told they told her mom and dad, and she's in studio, so I'm just overwhelmed by the beauty of this little girl. They told mom and dad um, that she wouldn't make it past eight months, but we're sitting on almost 21 months just just short of just shy of in on the 29th of the month she'll be 21 months and um she still has a long way to go we're going to talk about the the operations that need to happen internationally but i think we'll first get to know their story kim welcome to the good stuff hi thank you for having us man it's good to have you in studio cliff central is all about cool inspirational stories like yours and i think um I mean, we can start from the, from the beginning you fell pregnant uh w- what is the story behind behind that Gosh, well, um, yes, I fell pregnant with the twins, much to our surprise. Did you, did you know, uh, do twins run, run in your family? No, no, no. Not at um, all. They, they identical twins, which we found out while I was pregnant are actually the ones that happened by accident because the egg split in half. Okay. So, yes, so that's, yeah, when for our first scan and, and there the two blobs were. And, um, at about, my, I went for my 24 week scan, um, prior to that everything had been fine and, while we were there, the, my doctor picked up a few complications and it was later diagnosed that the twins had developed, um, what's called twin to twin transfusion syndrome, which is basically they share one placenta, but they share it unequally. So Mackenzie was basically getting less of everything and Alexis was getting more. And they then put me on bed rest and we were basically trying to get them as far as we possibly could. They were hoping to make it to 28 weeks. Um, but yeah, 27 weeks in the middle of the night, thankfully, while I was on bed rest in hospital, yeah, I went into labor and they, they were born. What, what is the, the standard time frame? Because I know it's nine months, but in weeks, what is that? Yes. Uh, in a, a full term pregnancy is 40 weeks. Wow. Um, so, so for twins, they generally consider full term to be 36, 37. Seven weeks if you if you're lucky yeah you made it to 27 yes. the girls. <laughs> you sound uh, and and i'm listening to you talk you sound like you know what you're talking about did you know all of these terms and things before or is it something that you've learned through the process no 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 definitely definitely not we've yeah come across terms and things that i don't think any any parent should, should actually ever know but yeah, that's just been part of the journey, I suppose. Part of the journey. Um, and when you say, so the doctor noticed that there were complications at 24 weeks. Did he, did he think, or she, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was, she, yeah. she, did she think that the, the twins would be, make it past 27 weeks or did they sort of? Um, with, with that twin to twin transfusion syndrome, um, the, it, it can basically, it, it ranges on a scale of, of they graded from, from one to five. One being not, not too severe, but they can be monitored and hopefully make it quite far. And five obviously being very worst, severe where yeah. you can actually lose, lose both babies. And what, where so, did you, where did you? Well, before we got an, an actual exam, because then we were, we were sent on to a specialist, but prior to that, they'd, um, they'd noticed that the, well, McKenzie had, Barely any amniotic fluid and Mackenzie, Alexis, sorry, had, had a lot and that's one of the indicators. So in the beginning we were sitting on sort of stage one 
progressing to stage two. So, so we weren't too severe, but then that needed to be monitored to see, yeah, where, where it went from there. Okay, so the girl, the girls were born, uh, you went into labor at 27 weeks, and then they went straight into what is called the NRCU. Yes. Which is the, the children's RCU. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and, and what was that process like? How many days were they in there? What was, what was that like? Gosh, that's also a terrible place. <laughs> um, they. Are, are there a lot of kids in there? Uh, when, when they, that night that they were born, there was only actually one, one other baby at the time, um, cause Dale was allowed to go with them, I, I obviously wasn't. Um, so there was one other baby when they were born, but I mean, then two days later, a set of, of triplets were born, so basically within a few days, they went from, from one to six children. So just sort of depending, like while they were there, you'd see it go through stages. Some are just there for, for a bit of monitoring, or then you've got girls like ours who are really prim who have to spend a long time there. So Alexis was there for, for 12 weeks, 84 days, and Mackenzie was there for 14 and a half weeks, 103 days. Wow. Dur- during that process, were you there as well? So you were by their side? Yes. Um, I initially was obviously, I mean, after the birth, I had to stay there for a few days and then, um, I was discharged and because we've got an eldest daughter as well. So she was at home. Um, and then gosh, another, another complication, but a week after they were born, I actually ended up going for my checkup and my gynae found that I developed a thrombosis in my leg. <laughs> and wow. so I was put back into hospital for another two weeks on, on bed rest again, but wasn't nice, but at the same time, at least I was nearby, so yes. I, I could basically pop in whenever I needed to while they were there and things. And then after that, we basically just went up and down on a daily basis um, until they were they were discharged. discharged. So Alexis was discharged, but Mackenzie was the one that that sort of had a lot of complications. Yes. Yep. And the prognosis that the doctors had given you was that she wouldn't make it past eight months. Yes. What sorts of procedures did she go through? Um. Well, besides the normal. Prem twin, uh, not twin, sorry, the normal prem pop um, complications. Um, she, she got a severe infection, which they also didn't think that she would survive. <laughs> um, she got what was called bad perfusion on, on her left foot. So all, all her toes on that one foot turned black and they told us that she'd lose all of those toes. It was basically like frostbite. And, um, Lo and behold, all five of those toes are still there. She had five blood transfusions. She had one platelet transfusion. She had um, what the big complication was, was that she um, had quite a, a normal thing for, for preem babies is they develop brain bleeds. Um, also, what, Brain bleeds? Yes, brain bleeds. So like a hemorrhage within is, the is, brain. Is that quite severe? Uh, depending again, they... they Rated on a scale from one to four, one being not too bad and generally they clear up on their own and four being pretty severe. So Alexis had, she had one in, a, a one on the one side and a two on the other side, but hers cleared up thankfully on its own. But Mackenzie had a, a grade three on the one side and a grade four on the other side. And that was basically what led to her, her major complication because that brain bead never cleared, which then in turn caused the blood clot within Within the brain and the ventricles, which then called, lead to a condition that she's got called hydrocephalus, which is basically known as water on the brain. So she had this fluid buildup of water on her brain and, and it was terrible actually. Her head just basically got bigger and bigger and bigger because there was nowhere for the, the liquid to drain out, this cerebral spinal fluid. The, um, and at the time she needed surgery, but she was too little to have the surgery done. So we had to, 
basically try to fatten her up and grow her slightly because they wanted her at a minimum weight of two and a half kilos before they could do the shunt, the shunt surgery. And again, she was she was born at like nine hundred and twenty. Yeah. Five, 25 grams, yeah. 25 grams. So for her to get from 925 grams to operation worthy, yes. it must have been a huge process. Yeah, it, it, it was a very lengthy process. She, she only, well, you, you said they were born on the 29th of October and she only had the op on the, the 18th of January. So I mean, it was just shy of three months. So in the interim, what they, they did to relieve that pressure of the fluid buildup, um, they stuck a needle into the top of her head and they would draw draw out fluid just to, yeah, like I say, relieve that pressure. And then once she was um, at the the weight that they, they needed, she then had her shunt surgery. So that is then inserted into the ventricle and then it runs under her skin sort of down into her stomach and then it drains out, out there. So it's just another another way for the, the fluid to basically get out. It's... It- <laughs> You're, what you're talking about, I mean, I can see Mackenzie sitting here today. She looks like a happy little baby. Um, and, and what you've been through is absolutely traumatic for parents. Uh, your strength and it, it just, I, I mean, you're a strong person and that's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> not always, but <laughs> we try. You try. So, um, we, I mean, she's not done yet. We, we've got yes. an operation that needs to happen. There's only the doctors that can do it are staying mm-hmm. in America. Yeah. Um, and the procedure has to happen in the States. Yes. And, and our job now is to get Mackenzie there. Yes. What, do, what is that? What is the, what is the operation and what is it for? Okay. Um, with children, well, well, after all of this and when she was discharged, she, she did, we were warned that there was more than likely going to be some form of brain damage because of the hydrocephalus. So we were aware of that. And um, in August last year, she got basically from the neurologist, she was given a cerebral palsy diagnosis. So with children with CP, they generally have problems with their hips because unfortunately, because of that, that pulling and the spasticity on the muscles, it basically pulls the hips out of the socket. Um, so there are procedures that can be done here and don't get me wrong, I'm sure many, many people have had them done and, and they've been very successful. But us as, as parents have come across this other procedure and we'd prefer to take her for that if possible. Because what this procedure is, is, um, instead of your traditional, what they call muscle lengthening, um, whereby they usually cut through the muscles and the tendons to release that spasticity, um, this doctor where we, we'd like to take her, um, he does, it's, it's the same name. It's also called tendon lengthening. It's the, it's actually called SPML. It's selective percutaneous muscle lengthening or something like that. Um, but what he does instead of cut, cutting the whole muscle and the whole tendon is he actually just pokes little holes in the myelin sheath around the muscles and the tendon. So you're keeping the muscle and the tendon intact, but you're releasing that spasticity, if that, that makes that sense. That totally makes sense, yeah. yeah. So, um, and by doing that, he, he basically guarantees now that doing, because it's a very non, like very non-invasive procedure. It's literally, she's in maybe 15 minutes to half an hour in that morning, out that evening. Um, just gets these small little, little incisions on her legs because it's only done on the legs. And, um, that basically will, will guarantee that, that there's no more, um, sort of pulling again, yes. if that makes sense. So her hip, her joints shouldn't be pulled out any further. And then that will also prevent for us, which is a big thing is prevent further 
big bone, more invasive surgeries when she old, when she's older. And the reason why, I mean, I mean, I'm listening to you, and it's any parent, any parent, mm-hmm. you found what is the best procedure, and you want the best for your daughter. Yes. So that's that's what the goal is now yeah. is to get her to that stage mm-hmm. where she can get that operation and get the best, yes. the best in life. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> what do we need to get her there? What what is the big ask? Well, the the operation um costs fourteen and a half thousand dollars. Um then she will obviously she'll spend the day at an outpatient hospital, which is another I think that was another two and a half. And then after that she'll need um little little braces on her legs called AFOs and your ankle foot orthotics and that's another I think about three. Um just to to help stretch those muscles out because now obviously they won't be used to, used to all that. Um, so to cover those costs, we're probably looking at around just that alone is about about twenty thousand to twenty one thousand um, dollars. Yeah, and then obviously we still need to get ourselves there, <laughs> and I'm not too sure how long she needs to be there for. Probably about ten days to two weeks. Just Which means for, you'll, you'll have to you'll have to find accommodation yes, and close to the yes, hospital. Yeah, and it's that whole. It's not just once off procedure. Yes, there's costs upon costs that need to be. Yeah, looked well, after. that's the thing. She needs. She obviously needs a pre-op, and then she'll need post-ops and all those kind of things, and then she needs. Like basically intensive therapy afterwards as well, just to now that those muscles have been released, if you could say that, give them the best, the best sort of chance to, to perform and while they feel new, if you could say that. So, yeah, unfortunately, not a, not a small amount that we need to no, get her but, there, but, but we're busy with our, our efforts. So. And, and, and that's why it's not the only reason I had you on the show. I find that your story is inspirational <laughs> because even through the face of what the doctors have said, mm-hmm. um, there's a little miracle sitting across from you right now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. One day I'm sure she's going to be on radio because she's very keen for this <laughs> microphone. Every now and then you can hear her saying her things. Um, it is, it, it's very inspiring and I'm going to put your story all over social media and, and I've got a good feeling feeling that she's going to get that up done really soon uh, and people will jump on board. People always want to assist. Yes. Um, how do people get in touch? How do corporates get in touch? How do individuals get in touch so that they can assist you? Well, she's actually got a, I've, I've made a page for her on Facebook. So she's called Miracle McKenzie on Facebook. So most people sort of follow her story there. Um, and then we have been doing a couple of fundraisers and things um, in the interim and people are welcome to to contact me. Um, all my info is on, on her, her page, on the Miracle McKenzie page. Um, so yeah, if you, if you, you go on there, that's sort of the easiest platform. I think nowadays everybody has, everybody has access to, yeah, to, to Facebook, I think. <laughs> to social media and all those yeah. sites. We're going to repost, um, we're going to repost those, those links to the pages so that people can get in touch. Um, and also for those of you that follow the South African page, um, their story is going to feature on there tomorrow morning. So, so get in touch and, and you can see it. It's been great having you on the show. Thank you for, for coming in. Mackenzie, thank you. You are beautiful. Uh, this is the good stuff.
Jeez, I'm loving the music today. I don't know who chose this playlist, but it's really working for me. All right, so this week's Give A Lot is actually in studio with us. Uh, it's charity ideas that you can get a part of uh, to make a difference in other people's lives. We've got Delani and Sakira from the, uh, I don't know how to say this, Ahmed Katrada Foundation. I'm going to put your mics on. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> They've joined me in the studio to chat about what it is that they do, what they did on Mandela Day, and how we can get involved to make a difference. So, welcome to The Good Stuff. It's great to have you in studio. Have you been here before? Me, it is my first time. It's your first time. Yes. First time. And yourself? <laughs> I've been here before, once with Uncle Kathy, um, better known as Amit Gathrada. Ah, there we go, there we go. Uh, what is it that the foundation does? Um, we do a couple of things. I think our core focus is deepening non-racialism. We do this through a number of methods. I think the most important one is our youth work. So we have a youth leadership course that, that takes in about 60 youngsters every year, and we take them through an intense course. So skills development, leadership, um, building their knowledge about South African history, the liberation struggle, and also getting them to engage on current topics and current issues. Um, this year, for example, for Mandela Day, we got them collecting for Operation Winter Warm. So making them understand the realities of poverty in South Africa and the challenges that we face. Um, other things that we do, we preserve history, we promote history, that of Ahmed Kathrada as well as other liberation icons. Um, we also have a research unit where we delve into policy around non-racialism and try to, uh, to influence it in a positive manner. Um, and I think um, the, the other functions of the foundation is basically our media work and the overall work we do within our communities and within broader South Africa as well. Okay, so you touched on what you guys did on Mandela Day. What was that whole process about? Um, it was quite a lengthy process. Um, it was basically young people coming together and doing their but for Madiba Day. But the entire organization of this entire Winter Warm project was done by the youth themselves. And I think Delani can perhaps tell us a little bit more about that project. Um, okay, so as Zaikira had mentioned, um, the initiative is called Operation Winter Warm. So we had our young people who are part of the youth leadership program um, organizing, planning, and taking complete control of the initiative. So here they were involved in the planning. They had a blitzing campaign whereby they had to make awareness in the communities to let them know that um, we will be coming over uh, doing door-to-door campaigning, asking for the donation of books, non-perishable food items, clothing, and any other stuff that they can give away. So that was done over um, the month of June. And then later on, um, I think the weekend when schools closed on the 27th and 28th June, the hard work began. So we had volunteers coming, um, joining members of the foundation, and we had about 270 young people. Two hundred. 170. 270 volunteers. Young people, volunteers who spent, and you must remember that weekend we had a cold front. Yes. Yeah. It was freezing. It was freezing. And it was the day after they closed school. So most of them are already in holiday mode. But, um, the young people from the youth, from the Ahmed Katrada Foundation were able to mobilize and convince all of these young masses to come together and assist. So they went door to door knocking on community people's houses and asking for various donations. You know what I like about that is that everybody wants to give. Everybody wants to do good, but sometimes they don't have the platform to do it. And sometimes, I mean, let's be honest, everybody has 
a cupboard full of clothing in their houses and you only wear like 10% of what you have. If someone had to come and knock on your door and say, hey, do you have any donations? Do you have blankets? I would give because it means that I don't have to do much effort to give it to you. So did you guys collect a lot? That's exactly what happened because we had young people taking the proactive approach of, of, of going to the residents' houses and every other platform and saying that, listen, we are here and we'd like to find out if you have anything, anything whatsoever to give so you don't have to make that effort. And through that initiative, they learned the lesson of having to collect and ask for the donations, not for themselves, but for other people who are less fortunate. So they were able to be considerate outside of their own comfort zone and also interact amongst one another. So as I mentioned, the number it was 270. So it was a, a, a diverse group of young people. Some of them had only met one another over that weekend and built some sort of relations and friendships. It does make me, it makes me excited that there's kids on board because sometimes kids, they don't get on board with charity. Much, it's holidays. They'd much rather go play soccer or be outside or be with their playstations that actually do something in the cold, which is amazing. I think um, I'm, we're starting to see a difference. Many of the young people who are part of our foundation are, are starting to tell us, don't see us as lazy young people who don't want to do anything, who don't want to engage with society and politics and all of those things. We want to get involved. We want to speak about what's happening. Just give us the platform. Give us the opportunity and we will do it. And I mean... From the community side, there was a phenomenal response. We had a truckload, a huge truckload of items collected, and it was handed over to the gift of the givers for their distribution, as well as the city of Johannesburg. So when there's a, a problem in Gauteng, for example, if there's floods, if there's fires, we know that they have a backup stock at least of some items to give to people. And following this particular campaign, young people went out on Mandela Day to Lolly Informal Settlement, which is just on the outskirts of Lanesha, and they themselves went into the situation and gave out clothing to people. That's absolutely incredible. Is that um, is that the only area you focus on, or is it more? Has it got a bigger footprint? Um, in terms of the distribution, distribution and collection. Like, what areas are you guys focused on? I think this year we kept it to Lanesha. It's where our offices are based. Um, so we we know the community. Uh, we know which areas to target, and we know who in surrounding areas to give the items to. So we kept it to Lanesha. Um, last year, I know it was a little bit uh, broader. We had Centen involved as well. But I'm hoping in the next few years we'd be able to expand this campaign and get. I mean. The broader Gauteng involved. It sounds like a lovely campaign, and I think people want to be in, in, in line with that. How do people get in touch with you if they want to follow the foundation, become part of the foundation, or activate these ideas in their areas? How do they find you? I think the simplest way, especially for young people, is via social media. So they can get us on Twitter at, at Kathrada Found, and that's a capital K and a capital F. And on Facebook, we just simply Ahmed Kathrada Foundation. Our contact details, it's 011-854-0842, 011-854-0842. And, the, I mean, we've got a website so they can check it out um, or they can visit us at our offices. And like you said, if people want to get involved, we really do welcome volunteers in is, in every sphere. So whatever skills that you have um, to give off, we we would welcome it. Absolutely fantastic. It has been wonderful having you on the show. Um, I will tweet all of those links and put them on Facebook and, and put them out there so that people can get involved. That is our that is our charity to get involved with this week. Uh, so please, if you do want to get involved, I am going to put them on all of our all of our social media sites. This is the good stuff.
Are you with me? Are you with me? I wanna dance by water beneath the Mexican sky. Drink some margaritas by the moon, believe me. Listen to the mariachi play at midnight. Are you with me? Are you with me? I am loving the playlist this morning. Such good music. It is feel-good music. This is the good stuff. And um, I've got Hello Kitty in the studio. No jokes. A life-size Hello Kitty is in the studio. Everybody's taking photos with her. Uh, and she's here for a very good reason. Her, her PR company, Annie... That's not, well, you're not, you're not the PR company. No. You are the person in the PR company. <laughs> I am. <laughs> you're, you're here to chat about, um, the, it's called One Kind Thing. And every week, right, on, on the good stuff, I have something called, and it's a segment which I've given to you today. It's called Change One Thing. Because I believe we, we all have the ability to create positive change. It all is inside of us. And if we change one thing, we have the ability to change everything. So this Hello Kitty campaign, One Kind Thing, is exactly that, right? Absolutely. So what, ba- what, are, what are you guys doing? What, okay. what is it about? So basically, we launched this month with um, the Hello Kitty Kindness Campaign. It's called At One Kind Thing. And it's basically taking Hello Kitty, who is a global icon. I mean, she is so loved and so gorgeous. I mean, just look at that beautiful face. And everybody, in the, they won't leave her alone. Everybody's <laughs> all over in the studio. Everybody loves Hello Kitty. And I think what's so amazing is she's basically become this ambassador of kindness. So she's looking at taking the youth of South Africa and making an example and basically saying kindness costs nothing. And it's within everyone to do something kind for someone. And I think kindness and charity are two very different things. I think kindness is something, it's a, it's, you, you're not, you can be taught that, you know, you can actually think about other people before yourself. And I think that's what's so amazing. And obviously we focus quite heavily on the youth because Hello Kitty is a youth brand. And I think children are naturally very kind. So we're trying to just get you need, to, you need to harness that and make sure that they keep it through to their adulthood. Absolutely. That's, that's I think, important. Absolutely. And also, I mean, parents um, need a channel and a way of going, come on, let's do this kind thing. And this is part of Hello Kitty's whole campaign. And what can we do to do something kind for someone else? So um, we launched last week and we actually started with Hello Kitty going off and doing one kind thing for, I know that you know about Girl with Cake. Yes. Noreen Gardner, who's doing amazing, amazing work. So that was our first kindness act by Hello Kitty. We landed at her house with a box full of beautiful baking goods for her to carry on her good work and acknowledge what she's doing in South Africa for people. Listen, I was, so I'll, I'll quickly touch on this. For the month of July, I've decided that 67 minutes is not enough. So I'm doing 67 days. It started off as 30 days. It's now shot into 67. I'm, I've got a feeling this is going to become 365. I've got a good <laughs> feeling. But um, we, every day I've been doing a random act of kindness. And last week, Thursday, Net Flores gave me 67 cakes to hand out for Mandela Day. And, and, during that process, it was inspired by Girl with Cake, and that's the reason why they did it. Everybody loves cake. Cake makes everybody happier. I gave it out to firemen and women waiting for their taxis and random kids. It was just, it was the most um, phenomenal thing. And one of the people I gave it to was a homeless lady on the side of the road. She stands on Kailami in Maine, that intersection there. And I got out of my car. It was a very weird situation. I, I was waiting for the robot to go 
red uh, and it was kind of green and it wasn't doing it and the woman behind me was freaking out she was in the back just going crazy i could see in my rearview mirror because i wasn't moving eventually the robot went orange i stopped and for that one split second i thought i need to give this woman more than a cake through the window so i opened up my door opened up my door got out the car and i gave her the cake and this woman looked me in the eyes and i realized it wasn't about the cake it was about the acknowledgement she gave me the biggest hug i I mean it was just this unreal thing got back in my car and the woman behind me was holding her mouth closed like going i'm sorry in the rearview mirror and she started rummaging through all her stuff and then gave her stuff out of her car it had inspired change it inspired kindness i drove around parked my car and i went and sat with this woman who i now know is lily on the side of the the peak hour traffic i sat and i ate cake with her on the side of the road got to meet a new friend she is incredible Put the story on my Facebook and it went viral. Funny enough, the woman that was behind me saw the post. And she replied on the post and she apologized, which is really funny. Amazing. Yeah. It It was a cool story. And it's kindness. That's that's what kindness is about. And kindness is infectious. So I think that that's what this is about, is just trying to make people think kindness all the time. So this is not, okay, I've done my random act of kindness and tick it off the list. We're trying to get a behavior going and get people to understand that this is literally when you do kind things for people, other people want to do kind it's exa- things too. It's exactly what happens. Yeah. So is Hello Kitty going around to all of the schools and, and what is the mechanism? Okay, so basically a lot of it is driven by social media and I'll give you those links later. But yes, the, the rest of the campaign will continue with us going into schools and basically children will be given a leaf, a Hello Kitty um, leaf, and we are encouraging them, not nominating, not challenging, encouraging them to join this journey of kindness where they will do their act of kindness and once they've completed it they write their act of kindness onto this leaf which is decorated in pink and then we're going to choose a tree that is currently in their school grounds that is obviously leafless because it's it's winter yeah and we are going to try and create pink beautiful trees in all these schools which literally every leaf on the tree is a showcase of someone's kind act that they've done And ultimately what we'd like to do is have a kindness forest by the end of this campaign, which literally when you go to a school, you look at the pink trees and you realize that all of those acts of kindness have been carried out by young children that have made a difference in someone's life. And those trees will inspire others to do the same. It is infectious. Absolutely. It is infectious. So that is the plan, is to to get everyone on board. Okay, and Hello Kitty's also delivered, I'm going to post these on online, on social media. She's delivered some beads. What are these? Okay, so we've um, collaborated with, just as part of the of the campaign, with the Bead Coalition, who are very well known. They basically, um, they also did the rhino beads, um, the one that is worn by Prince Harry. And we collaborated with them, did these beautiful pink beads, and it is a gift of kindness. And you can purchase them at CNA, and proceeds are going to the Nelson Mandela Foundation. So a percentage goes to that foundation. So we've basically just harnessed, harnessed it and actually given it a, a little physical um, bracelet that you can purchase to Very showcase cool. that you are a supporter of the Hello Kitty Kindness campaign. Very cool. How do people follow the campaign? Because I want to know what's going on. I want to see these acts of kindness. I want to see the trees. I want to see what is happening <laughs> around South Africa. I'm excited. Absolutely. So the best place to follow us is on Facebook. It's the Hello Kitty Loves South Africa page. So if you just go on and search Hello Kitty Loves South Africa, like the page, share it with all of your friends. And basically, we, we've... Been posting all these acts of kindness that we've been doing, um, but what we really want to see is some interactive stuff. We want to see people posting their act of kindness onto the page and showcase what kids are doing actually to be a part of this campaign. Um, there's also a mobile app that you can download that actually, once you've done your act of kindness, you can actually take a pic with Hello Kitty in your pic 
So the mobile app is um, one kind thing, Hello, Hello Kitty, and it's free. You can download it on either Android or on, on an iPhone um, at the app, app Store. And we want to see people posting those kind of pics. Then the international um, Twitter hashtag is at one kind thing, and that is it is a worldwide campaign. So South Africa has jumped on the bandwagon. It has done very, very well in Australia. It's done very, very well in the U.K., so if you want to watch what they're doing in the world, you can search their pages. So either Hello Kitty Loves Australia or Loves UK. Um, and then on Instagram, if you do take a pic and you want to pop it up, it's um, Instagram.com and then Hello Kitty South Africa. I think it's very exciting. And I think everybody needs to get involved in this. Why? Because kindness matters. Uh be kind because everybody is facing a battle we know nothing about is the truth. So go out there, get involved. For all the moms and dads listening, get your kids involved. Go onto the Facebook, download the app. Um, I think it's important. They are the future and they do carry that kindness. And for everybody else, Hello Kitty is not just for the kids. Um, being kind can be for adults as well. So today, tomorrow, the next day, uh, I think let 67 minutes mean more than 67 minutes and be kind every day. It's been amazing having you in studio. Thank you for popping in for just That's such great. a short Thanks bit. Thanks for having me. Um, that was the good stuff for this week. You've been tuned in. If you want to catch up on any other shows, you can just go onto iTunes, download them, go onto cliffcentral.com. We also keep all of them there. I'm going to leave you with this thought, and it is from Mandela for Mandela Day. As we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. That's the good stuff for this week. Thanks very much for joining us. Um, I love hanging out with you. It's been amazing. Thanks, and only good things. Cliffcentral.com.